0: Let's go to Matthew, Matthew chapter number 6, Matthew chapter number 6, we're going to read from verse 25, Um, you know, Jesus uh, said this to his disciples in John 16 verse 33, he said in this world you will suffer persecution, uh, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And so Jesus, you know, uh, forewarns us that uh, as long as we are still on this side of life, uh, there's going to be some problems, amen? Amen. There's going to be some challenges. Things are going to be uh, thrown at us. But then he says, uh, through all of that, you and I can be of good cheer because he has uh, overcome the world. And he repeats it again in Matthew six twenty-five. 25. Uh, he says, therefore, I say unto you, do not worry about your life. Now, this is so clear. Jesus is talking about uh, the worry-free life, not the problem-free life but the worry-free life. In the midst of all life challenges, uh, you and I uh, can enjoy the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Amen? There is a peace that goes beyond what you can figure out. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Uh, he says, after you've done all the math, you can. I mean, the problem will still be staring you right in the face. And, uh, but thank God we have a, a, a peace that goes beyond what we can figure out. Amen? And it comes from, uh, from Jesus. And so he says in verse 25, clearly, do not worry about your life. It couldn't get much more clearer. You know, worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, know about your body, uh, what you will put on. And then Jesus begins to explain himself, and that's what I really love about Jesus. You know, growing up, um, you know, the preachers in our church, whenever they would read this text and try to encourage us not to worry, they would kind of use fear. they a say, man, don't worry, because worry is sin. Now Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, "Let's reason together. Let's figure out, you know, why you shouldn't worry." And He says this. He says, "Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing?" He says, "Come on, let's 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 figure this out. Life is worth more than food, and your body worth more than." Uh, the cloth. In other words Whenever worry attacks You must have the Jesus perspective I call it the 30,000 foot view uh, See it from God's perspective And whenever you do You will realize uh, Very soon that is no big deal to God You know uh, Whenever I travel I have two little girls And uh, the truth really is You know If you can raise girls you can raise the dead That's the truth You know, <laughs> I have two of them right <laughs> yeah, That's the truth And we've raised the dead. And uh, so my two little girls, whenever I travel, they they give me like a list of things they want me to buy. And so uh, this particular time we were preaching in England, they asked me to go and buy these little dolls called LOL dolls. I didn't realize how expensive them little things are, man, those things will get you broke, right? And so I went to England and I bought the two little LOL dolls and I went back home and I said, you know, Munesu, here's your little LOL, tonight here's your little LOL doll. And so I went upstairs and I was doing something, working in my office, and, and I heard the younger one, she just burst out crying. I mean, he was hysterical. She's crying. Ah! And so I ran downstairs. I ran downstairs to see what was going on. And so when I went there to see what was going on, uh, uh, one of the LOL, the little LOL dolls, the head had come off the little body. And so I took that little body and took the the little head and I just popped it back. And uh, all the drama ceased. <laughs> now, now, I say all of this to say... Just sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, the things that concern you, the things that you're hysterical about, the things that you're crying about, from God's perspective, just sometimes, it looks like a little head that just popped off. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Amen. And so if you would cast it to the Lord, we were talking about entrusting it to Him, that's why He says, give it to me. Is that what He says? He's saying, give that little body and to hear to me that the diagnosis, the, the, the finance issue, you say, give it to me. And if you turn it over to him, all he's going to do is take the body and take the, and pop it right back and life goes on. <laughs> Amen. And so when it comes to worry and stress and anxiety, we must always try and look at it from God's perspective. Yes. And, and, and the way to do it practically is to ask yourself this, will this matter 300 years from today? It, if it won't, then it shouldn't matter now. Can I get an amen? And what else does Jesus say? He says, look at the birds. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? And so Jesus begins to bring a new revelation here, which is really a revolution. He says, uh, when you look at the animal kingdom, uh, uh, God feeds them, he takes care of them. And you are different from the animal kingdom. Why? Because uh, your relationship with God is father and son. He has put a spirit of sonship in each and every one of us to where we can call him what? Abba, father. Father. We are the only uh, uh, of His creation that can call God Father, and that word Father is the Greek word pater, uh, p a t e with an apostrophe, apostrophe, right, and an R. It, it, the word pater, which means God is your nourisher, it means He is your provider, it means He is your protector. So every time you see the word father, it means that God is the one that will provide for you. God is the one that's going to protect you. God is the one that's going to nourish you. This revelation is what sustained us, Chip and I, during the COVID years. I mean, we knew that we had a father. Amen. And we knew that because of our relationship with God as our father, he was going to protect us. He was going to nourish and, uh, and, and provide for us. And then he says in verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature?" In other words, you will not get any benefit from worrying. You, won't, you can't grow, grow taller from worrying. Amen. Amen. You know, I remember in high school, you know, I played basketball um, and... Uh, my, my greatest desire, my prayer during those years was, Lord, make me a little taller. That was my prayer. Lord, make me a little taller. Because I wanted to play in the paint so I can dominate the paint and just lean on you and dunk on you and talk to you a little bit. You know, while we're at it. You know, and so my prayer was, Lord, make me a little bit taller. And how many of you know that that wasn't going to come through worrying? In fact, what worry does is it seps the energy out of you. Worry will cripple you. Now, I'm not knocking you if you are struggling with some stuff, because the person you are looking at, I used to be the master warrior. Not warrior, warrior. (laughs) I mean, I could worry in a three-part harmony. True story. I mean, I could worry about things that will never happen. I mean, I could come up with the most craziest thing and just start worrying about it set the energy out of me and put me on a in an embryonic position on a sofa some 42 degrees celsius what do you call it here yeah, 110 fahrenheit outside i would go look for a blanket and sit on that sofa and just oh man i'm feeling sorry for myself what worry does is it sets no one has ever worried themselves into an innovation or a solution In fact, if you talk to the medical doctors yeah, we, we're traveling with one of our youth volunteers here, Juliet. She's a medical doctor. And, and they will tell you that worry stops the flow of chemicals that are responsible for creativity in your, in your life. Good. Good. And worry will mess you up. And so Jesus is saying, let's reason together. If you're going to do it, at least you're going to do it in form. He doesn't say, don't worry, because it's it's sin to worry. No, he says there's no benefit in it. And what else does he say? Verse 28. So why worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, or ye of little faith? And so it becomes a faith issue. Not faith in yourself, but faith in God being who he says he is. A good, good father. Now if God is your heavenly father, he's your provider, he's your nourisher, and he's your protector, I'm telling you, God is good at being Father. God knows how to do, Father. Amen? Amen. And he says, it's a faith issue. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry. He's already said it a few times now. And he keeps saying it again because he wants you and I to get it. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. You, your heavenly Father, knows that you need all these things. Now, I'm really, really rushing, right? And, and, and at this stage, I'd like to believe, you know, at least half of you, you know, are considering not to worry and the worry-free life. Man, this sounds good. I think it's a good idea, right? <laughs> but you may have a question. It's like our church back home. They say, Pastor, we, we, this is a great proposal. It's a great proposition. Now, if I stop worrying, they ask me, if I stop worrying, what am I going to do with my time? What am I going to do now? He tells us in verse 33, do not worry, but seek first. This is what you should be doing with your time. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen? And so let's go to uh, First Peter chapter number 5. Let's go. See, the thing about worry is Jesus had something to say about it. The Apostle Paul had something to say about it. You can read this when you get home, Philippians 4 from verse 6 uh, to 8. The Apostle Peter also had something to say about it because really God's will for all of us is to live the worry-free life. Worry also has the ability uh, to choke the word. If you read in Mark chapter number 4, the thorny ground, it says it was the cares of this world or the worries of life, the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things when it it entered in. It choked the word. And so worry will stop even the promises of God from uh, coming to fruition in your life. And so this is a big deal that we're dealing with. Amen? Yes. And so the Apostle Peter tells us what we should do with this worry. If you read in First Peter 5, uh, 6-8, to uh, it says, likewise, young people, submit yourselves to the elder. Yeah, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that ye may exalt you in due time. And he puts a semicolon there. Now he's getting ready to show us what this humility looks like. Because for most people, being humble means, you know, uh, 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 not wearing makeup. It means uh, wearing clothes from 1942. It means using slow internet. What are you doing? I'm being humble. No, you're not. (laughs) So so he he explains to us what humility looks like. It is casting. Someone say casting. Says it is casting how many? All of your cares. On him, why? Because he cares for you. As fast as worry comes, what we should do is grab it and cast it onto him. Because all of us are on a race, and Hebrews twelve two says, uh, 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 verse one and two says, lay aside all weights and all, all 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 sin that easily slow us down as we run this race. And worry is one of those things that will slow you down. And, and the apostle Peter says we must cast it onto onto the Lord. Now, to, the word cast means to throw away from you with a reckless abandonment. You throw it to God, and you don't. You didn't say fish. <laughs> Because a lot of people, when we talk about casting, they're thinking fishing. Because what they do is they take the care and they throw it to God, but they maintain a, a, a fishing line. And every every season, every now and again, they wheel it in so they can see what the Lord has done with it lately. Oh, Lord. No, he said cast. Someone say Cast. If you look, the tradition of the word, the etymology of the word cast, uh, actually in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would get a beast of burden. And Jesus is our beast of burden. They would get a beast of burden, a donkey or something. And a man would come carrying in a heavy load right? And they would get a beast of burden. This is why in Isaiah 53, uh, before we get to the part where he talks about healing, verse 5, he talks about Jesus uh, 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 bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. He's talking about worry. Part of what Jesus did at the cross was to take the things that torment you, worries, anxieties, and stresses. I know we rush to the healing part, but God also wants to take care of things that are tormenting you in your soulish realm. And so what they would do is that a man would come carrying a load and they would get a beast or bird and a donkey, which is much more stronger than than him. And the reason they would do this was the load he's carrying was so heavy, it had the potential to to alter him and mess him up, not just emotionally, but also mentally and physically. And that's what worry will do. In fact, they say 80% of all doctors' visits are not for real ailments. They are for worry-related activations in your body. And this is why you can go to a doctor and they'll check you out and they'll say there's nothing wrong with you, but you know you're feeling something. And if it's in America, we may as well make a little money from them. They're going to prescribe something on you, <laughs> cut you up. Let's open them up and stitch them up for nothing because, hey, we can make, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, God bless America. <laughs> It's our turn. It's our turn. You know, way back, way back, five years ago, I mean, people would preach about God sending them places. I've heard it at Caris. You know, we, we hang, I hang around the Caris bunch a lot, and people would get up and say, you know, when you pray, you must open up your heart. And when you pray for God's will to be manifested, you must open up your heart. God might just send you to Africa. <laughs> and so I went back to my church. I said, man, you, you, when you pray, you must open up your heart. God might just send you to America. <laughs> oh, you better pray he doesn't send you to a liberal state. I might get into trouble now. <laughs> ooh, boy, I'm t- crazy. I'm t- ooh, I'm staying in Africa. <laughs> we can tell a man from a woman. Hallelujah. And so, and so ooh, where's my time? Okay, seven minutes. We got seven minutes. Is this helping you? Yeah. Let's go. We got seven minutes, right? He says, cast all your cares, all of them—the little ones, the big ones, uh, uh, grandchildren, uh, your own children, uh, your husband, <laughs> and your wife. Cast them onto the Lord. Amen. This one pastor in Africa was preaching. He said, next week, I want everybody to bring their problems. And all the wives in our community brought their husbands. I said, Man, let's go to <laughs> Please, cast them unto the Lord, all right? All right, now let's end with this. This is powerful. This is going to help you. Now, what I'm getting ready to read is going to help you. If you missed anything, don't miss this one. He says in verse 8, now be sober. Someone say, be sober. Now, he's not talking about drinking. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That word sober in the American Heritage Dictionary means to be void of speculative imagination. Why? Because 90% of the things people worry about are not real. They are just a pigment. Do you hear what I said? My wife wants me to say pigment, but I, I like pigment better. Because only a pig could have come up with some of the things we worry about. Amen? They're just a pigment of our imagination. I remember flying from Joburg, we were flying from Joburg, my wife and I, uh, to go to Cape Town for a race. She, she, Two-hour flight, she likes to run uh, uh, races, so I was escorting her to run the race. And so we were on this airplane, when we got on the airplane, the pilot went on to say, congratulations, you are the first group in South Africa uh, to fly a fully automated jet. This jet is going to take off all by itself and it's going to reach a cruising altitude and maintain that cruising altitude when we get to Cape Town, it's going to land all by itself. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, you have nothing to worry about. Worry about. Worry about. Worry about. Worry about. Now, immediately, my mind went to work. Now, this was the most rocky, crazy, it was doing cartwheel. Not in the real world, in my mind, I mean, this jet was doing cartoons. I thought it was going to land on the freeway. I thought, man, this thing is going to land. On, I'm, I'm, I'm. And so he tells us, be void of speculation. Be void of speculative imagination. Now, let's go and read this one scripture and we'll uh, uh, wrap it up. Genesis uh, chapter number uh, 37. Genesis Chapter number 37 from verse 31 to 35. You remember the story of Joseph? Joseph had a dream, and uh, his brothers wanted to kill him for having a dream. And Reuben said, let's throw him into a pit. And they wanted to throw him into a pit. And uh, then Judah said, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. And they sell, sold him to the Ishmaelites. And when they did that, uh, they, they they took uh, Joseph's coat, verse 31. Uh, it says, they took Joseph's coat, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. Of, of, of the kid of goats, right? And they sent the coat of many colors. Uh, they brought it to their father, Jacob. And, and they said this. This is what we have found. We don't know whether it be your son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. Was it his son's coat? Oh, for sure it was. Uh, and then he went on to go into speculative imagination. And he said this. I know exactly what's happened to my son. An evil beast has devoured him. And this is what the enemy has done with most people. They'll just get presented with a, a, a diagnosis or some piece of paper. that says say, we found this, that, and the other in, in your body. And then the rest, they do themselves. I know exactly how I'm going to die. I know exactly how this is going to affect me. All the enemy does with some people is just show them their bank account balance. And, and it, it, they speculate. They fill in the rest. You say says, sober, be sober, be void of any speculative imagination. Did y'all see that? Jacob said this. He said, I know exactly what has happened to him. An evil beast, a lion, came out and devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Now Joseph was in Egypt having a good time. And he says in verse 34, and Jacob rent his clothes. Put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned his son for men. In other words, he was stressed out for many days. Washes over nothing. And here's what I found out. I wish for all those years that I spent worrying about stuff that never happened. I wish there was a bank somewhere where I could go and tell them, you know what? That stuff I was worrying about, I spent two weeks worrying about, it never happened. Can I please get my two weeks Back. I wish there was a place I could go to. No, there's no place like that. And this is why he says today, this is the day of salvation. And we will rejoice and be glad in. Why? Because God doesn't want you spending any time speculating and worrying and stressing about stuff. Can I get an amen? And he goes on to say this. Verse 35. Now it gets serious. He says, uh, and all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him. They were calling him. People around him. The church were praying for him. I mean, everybody's trying to do what they can to tell is not a real situation. But this is what he said. He refused to be comforted, and he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son's mourning. Therefore, his father wept for him for many days. Now, Joseph had not been killed by a lion. He was in Egypt having a good time, getting promoted. In fact, if you read Joseph's account in uh, uh, Genesis, chapter number 39, if you read from verse 1, it says "And Joseph had been taken to uh, to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, uh, uh, 39 verse 1 in the Message Bible. Potiphar, an Egyptian, one of Pharaoh's officials, manager of his household, uh, bought him for them. And as it turned out, God was with Joseph, and things went very well with him. And his father was saying, man, I'm going to stress out about this guy. And meanwhile, if you would care to look in the spiritual realm, that's what I'm saying to you this morning. If you would care to look in the spiritual realm, you'll realize that things have been planned to go very well for you.